Hey, this is Paul James Caden, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, People Under the Stairs. And this is Stan Wangland, the other half of the amazing duo of the People Under the Stairs. And we're hoping that you'll tune in and listen to our wonderful podcast. Hey, Paul, tell the folks some of the things that we talk about in the podcast. We talk about a wide array of subjects, the paranormal, UFOs, missing 411, even such things as some of the conspiracy theories out there that are wild, things that are happening in the news and our world. If it's strange, if it's weird, if it bears talking about, we'll cover it on the show. Yeah, and we do it from a really balanced perspective. Uh, we just don't, uh, you know, uh, come up with something, throw it on the wall and see if it sticks. We try and have, uh, you know, the actual facts of what's going on with interesting people as guests on the show, you know, different authors, uh, and, you know, allowing them to tell their story uninterrupted and, uh, you know, in a full and uh, interesting format. So you can get into anything from artificial intelligence to uh, people who say they've been abducted and been on a flying saucer. So if you enjoy those topics, we hope you'll give us a listen and join us under the stairs. Yeah, and uh, for those of you who regularly listen to podcasts, even those of you who are new, we're on all the podcasting platforms and we're very, very easy to find. So give us a listen. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward, along with a special segment, Oddities with John Mallard. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart, where you can find new episodes on the second and last Sunday of each month on Podbean. You can also find us on sparkradionet.org, YouTube, iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, and any place you find fine podcasts. This episode's shout-out goes to my listeners in Greece. Thank you so very much for being a part of the Paranormal Heart community. I really appreciate you all. Folks, I wanted to mention a friend of mine, Vinny Vineyard, a.k.a. Funk Master V, who has a brand new TV network. He's got his own wing of self-produced paranormal shows with himself and a couple of wrestling buddies that I think you might enjoy. If you think that name sounds familiar, Funk Master V was a guest not too long ago. And if you're interested in checking out his new network, go on over to AsyTV.com. That's A-S-Y-T-V.com. Don't forget to tell him that Cat and Boo sent you. As always, before I get to my guest, enjoy Oddities with Paranormal Heart's very own odd guy, John Mallard. Over to you, John. Fiddly diddly catringly me get me forangan. A fiddly diddly catringly me I'm a leprechaun. A fiddly diddly 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 get me forangan. A fiddly diddly diddly diddly. You're back on Oddities with John. Welcome to Oddities. Strange facts that are true about an odd, odd world. And as you can tell by my somewhat drunken ramble right there... We're going to focus on St. Paddy's Day. Yeah. Newfoundland is huge with St. Patrick's Day. So this is actually really, really fun. So I'm going to give you some really quick and dirty facts about St. Patrick's Day that might actually kind of surprise you. Number one, St. Patrick was actually from Wales, not Ireland. <laughs> and his real name was Mywin Socket. <laughs> yeah. And hey, maybe I'll go home and see Mywin Socket. <laughs> At the age of 16, he was captured by a group of Irish pirates and was taken to Ireland as a slave. He tended sheep in Ireland for six years before he actually escaped. 
When he returned home, he studied Christianity to become a priest. He then took his teachings back to Ireland. Man, he's he's got some huge, uh, huge balls there. Where he established the Christian church. He changed his name to Patricius, which means father figure. St. Patrick's representative color is actually blue, not green. There are reportedly more than 13 million pints of Guinness being consumed on, on St. Patrick's Day alone. In fact... A 2012 estimate pegged the total amount spent on beer for St. Patrick's Day celebrations at $245 million. Quite the bar tab. From 1903 to 1970, most bars and pubs were closed on St. Patrick's Day because it was considered a religious holiday or a dry holiday. You had to drink at home with your wives. <laughs> Drowning the shamrock is known to be a good luck. And is actually meant to give you a prosperous year. What does that mean? It means you're actually going to drink a shamrock. St. Patrick's Day falls on Lent. But the restriction of drinking is lifted for the day. The harp is the national symbol of Ireland, not the shamrocks, letting you all know. Also, St. Patrick used the shamrock to preach about the Holy Trinity. Odds of finding a four-leaf clover, do you ever wonder what it is? It's actually one in 10,000. Hey, I hope you all really enjoyed this month's holidays. And have yourself a safe and safe and wonderful St. Patrick's Day. And remember, the most important thing of all, don't drink and drive. Or the wee leprechaun named John from Newfoundland will come get you and be clean out of you. I know, I'm not a very good Irish guy. Apparently I sound Irish though in my accent, you know. Us newfies in quotation marks actually have a little bit of the old Irish blood flowing through us. And a whole lot of that Guinness that I talked about earlier. Back to you, Kat. Thanks, John. My next guest has a degree in physics from UC Berkeley, an MBA degree, and a doctor of divinity. She is a best-selling author of six books who helps people visualize and access whole new worlds of possibilities. She's host of Living the Quantum Dream on the Dream Vision 7 radio network. She's been featured on Coast to Coast AM, the Discovery Channel, just to name a couple. And she's presented papers on international conferences on science, spirituality, and consciousness. Today, we talk about the Mandela Effect. So please welcome Cynthia Sue Larson. Hello, Cynthia. Welcome to Paranormal Heart. Hi, Kat. Really glad to be here today. I'm so happy you're here. Um, this is a topic that really interests me. Well, every topic that I do is interesting to me, but this one in particular, because I don't really know, I don't know a, a whole lot going down the rabbit hole. I, I know a little bit. My daughter and I have, have actually had um, a Mandela effect um, experience ourselves not too long ago that if you don't mind, I'll tell you about later. Uh, but yes, if you could please... Um, I'm not even sure where to start, so I'll just give it over to you. Where uh, to the listeners? We're talking about the Mandela effect with Cynthia, right. Cynthia Sue Larson. Well, this is a topic I've been focusing on actually for longer than it was called the Mandela effect. So I think that's kind of interesting, and it's been riveting my full attention since the 1990s when I started noticing what are now called personal Mandela effects. But um, back then. I, I was just trying to figure out what to call it when things appear, disappear, transform or transport, kind of like stuff happening on its own and absolutely changes to the historical facts that are occurring. So I, I, I was looking around to see what what could to call it. And back then, if you remember the 1990s, some people do, it, it, the Internet was nothing like it is now in 2020. No. Totally different. <laughs> Very different. Like there were, yeah, there was no social media of any kind. There were no chat rooms. Um, but really, it, 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 are you chopping up? Say that again. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> okay, <You're> good. <laughs> so, yeah, so I started uh, just looking around to see what would I call this. And it, I came on the idea of calling it reality shifts. And then it, within a few years, I later found out author PMH Atwater had written a book called Future Memory. And in there, there was a in that book, there was a chapter called Reality Shifts. And she was using the term the same way I was using it. So that was really, hmm. I think, the first terminology. And then if you follow um, the books like The Holographic Universe, by there was a physicist that wrote that book. And he also kind of touched on the 
he almost used the word reality shift in that book to talk about when things just move on their own. And so that was really the term that I was calling it. But now we have the Mandela effect, which is um, a term that came into being based on what I call the alive again phenomenon. And mm-hmm. it would, Nelson Mandela was observed. I think it, Art Bell was the first one to really mention it around 2000, April 2001 on his Art Bell Coast to Coast radio show. And he got hundreds, if not thousands, of people <clears throat> writing and phoning in saying that they were very surprised that Nelson Mandela was alive at that time, 2001, because they remembered that he'd passed away. And then um, a period of years after that, um, the term Mandela effect came into being when um, there was a blogger named Fiona Broom, and she popularized the actual term Mandela effect to um, basically to mention this one kind of reality shift where usually it's a celebrity, but it could be a friend or a neighbor or someone that you know, that you know for sure they were dead and now they're alive again. So that's one type of it's just one type of history changing. This phenomenon pretty much is, um, it encompasses everything you think it, that it might encompass. And then it continues to, to do even more than that and continue to surprise us all. I was actually one of those people who thought uh, Mr. Mandela had passed in, in jail uh, several years prior. And so when I found out he had been released, I'm like, wow, well, wait a minute. That's not right. I thought he had passed on. And I asked a few other people as well. And I'm like, yeah, I thought so too. And, and at first I thought, okay, well, maybe I was just f- remembering something differently. But then I started hearing about other people believing all that and started hearing about other things and then started hearing about the phrase Mandela effect. And uh, it's very, very intriguing. I'm sorry for the background noise. My husband's making spaghetti sauce. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm glad that you've experienced it, too. Um, That's usually the first hurdle, so it's hard to even carry on a conversation with someone. It could be a friend or family member if they haven't personally experienced one of these things. Mm -hmm. Because back when I was talking to people, my neighbors, friends, and family, a lot of people would just take a couple of cautious steps backwards when I brought the subject up. Yeah. Like, have you noticed reality changing? Have you noticed some things aren't what they seem to be? And mm-hmm. people will just be like, okay, then. Um, but my background is in physics. I studied physics at UC Berkeley. And that's what I like to bring into the, the conversation and the the whole concept of and the discussion about Mandela effects and reality shifts. So I like to take a look at um, what do we know for sure from physics um, that because that also studies the nature of reality that can kind of, that we can hold up side by side along with what we're experiencing in the Mandela effect and notice, well, what do you know? We've got some similar patterns going on here. And when I do that, I see a lot of similar patterns between quantum physics and the Mandela effect. So that's what I find very interesting. It seems like there's kind of um, almost a one-to-one correlation between things that bizarre stuff we're noticing with the Mandela effect and typical quantum weirdness that, you know, you see from time to time in the so-called quantum realm. That, um, that, that idea that you can, that what stays in the quantum realms, you know, what happens there stays there. Mm-hmm. That's not really true. It's so what, what's much more true is that we would expect from time to time to see some of the weird quantum stuff like spooky action at a distance and entanglement and, you know, superposition of states, teleportation, you know, all these sorts of things, uh, we would expect to see them actually on every scale, not just in the, with quantum particles. Because when you look at the fact that everything is intrinsically quantum, then that means that our consciousness is actually running the show. Um, So these are big ideas. It's easy for me to talk through them pretty fast, but the truth is, a lot of people need some time there. They're like, wait a minute, hold on, hold up there a minute. Yeah. <laughs> that, went, that went real fast. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just kind of laying it out. Like, that's how I see it. Um, and I do realize that people, a lot of people are coming into the Mandela effect in the last few years. We saw um, a massive, um, out, you know, just a whole bunch of people creating videos and blogs about the topic just in the, since like 2015, 2016, 2017. So the last few years have been banner years 
uh, for the Mandela effect. And amongst those people, uh, a lot of people are pointing fingers at CERN and and mm-hmm. wanting to make sure that, well, how do we know this is not like a glitch in the matrix kind of thing? I was going to mention CERN. You probably knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I could feel it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of people want to take a look at that, and that's fine. Um, but but when I've been studying this phenomenon, what I was noticing is that it, it didn't start in the 90s when I was looking at it. It's actually, when I think about my life, I see examples of the Mandela effect going back into the 1970s. And, you know, maybe I was born in the 60s, so I don't think I was really able to notice it that much in the first decade of my life. But I did start noticing it in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. So it's been it's been happening all of the time I've been around. And then when I look at research from indigenous peoples and uh, just people noticing what we would call reality shifts and Mandela effects, this is recognized phenomenon. It's not just new. It, it's I, I think we've got evidence that takes it back for the entire history of the planet and all of human existence. Now, I have heard some people say that they firmly believe, and I'm not really, really smart when it comes to science, um, but some people seem to believe that with CERN, perhaps that that affected time as far back as we can, you you know, I'm not even sure how to word this, um, because I've only heard of the Mandela effect for the past few years, and you're saying it goes back even further than that. So some people believe that the CERN actually has um, affected that, so it's kind of changed our, our history. Have you ever heard anything, anyone with those claims? And if so, what are your your feelings on that? Yeah, I do hear people say that, sure. And I think it's a natural human thing we want to be able to, on some level, feel like somewhere, some human somewhere has their hands on the steering wheel of whatever mm-hmm. mysterious phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know that that needs to be true. I mean, even if even if I could play devil's advocate and say, okay, maybe that's happening. But even if it is happening, then for sure, CERN would have to be operating within whatever rules of the universe allow for this sort of thing to happen. So they're taking advantage of a natural phenomenon and amping it up. That's If we're saying they're doing that, then they're already – working with something that exists and making more of it. You know, it's it's not like it wasn't already there. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched the television show Fringe? Yes. That's an interesting yes. show. That <laughs> I used to love that show. And when I first heard about the effect, the Mandela effect, I started thinking about the Fringe, the, the, the television show, especially the last couple of, um, I can't remember how many seasons it was on when they had the two realities kind of crashing and, and realities were changing. And I thought, oh, good grief. That almost sounds like the Mandela effect. It was just a very interesting TV show. Folks, if you can find that TV show, it's kind of like an X-Files type thing. Um, very, very uh, good show, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, it was well done. It's in my, in my experience, it's a little bit different than how I notice reality shifts. Because, mm-hmm. but you know, of, of course, it would be. It's fiction fantasy. What yeah. I liked about it was, like you said, it's really clear. It's showing at least what two possible realities might be. Mm-hmm. Um, in our, in many of our experiences, we witness a lot more than just two realities. But I think they want to keep it simple for a TV show. If they yeah. had many, many, many more, it's then like. Which Walter are they looking at? Is it Walter or <laughs> exactly. Walternet or Walternet 115? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the show uh, The Flash right now that's on, Net- on, well, I watch it on Netflix. And they have, I don't know how many Earths, and they all have like Earth 1, Earth 2. Everybody has a number, and, and I'm thinking that's already been done, but whatever. <laughs> right, yeah, it's, it's, so it gets a little tedious. Yeah, so, uh, but so the good thing about Fringe is it doesn't get tedious. They keep it no. action packed and focused on the characters, so it's really worth watching for that. Yeah, I agree. It, I was reading up on your um, on three of your um, uh, recent Mandela Effect experiences. One about the doctor's office, and um, I call it the mystery laundry, and then the rose. Uh, would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about those? Oh my gosh, yes. It's been a banner month for me. Um, and this is for someone who experiences a lot of these things. 
So the, the, the first one that you mentioned is the situation with the doctor's office where, um, and keep in mind, this happened in January before the um, this current panic about the Chinese flu was really um, hitting its stride. So I'd, I'd gone just for a, a checkup and I'm waiting in the waiting room and lots of people are coughing. It was in January, early January. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird that that many people are coughing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like it's a little bit nerve wracking. Um, but, so, but I just needed to fill out the paperwork, you know, check in at the check-in desk, let them know I'm there. And as I was um, standing in the place where you'd line up, there wasn't much of a line, but I clearly saw kind of a pushy, bossy little sign next to um, a little dispenser for. Nope, I lost you there. Uh oh. Okay. Oh, okay. Got you back. Skype. I'm sorry. Okay. Are you? Th- <laughs> I can hear you. Okay, Are you still there? Here. Good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yay. Okay. So. <laughs> so okay, I'll start at the. So it was in the waiting room at the doctor's office, and I saw that there was a sign that looked to me a little bit bossy, a little bit pushy. It was very much indicating that every person must take a mask and wear it. I thought, well, you know, and they said because it's flu season or something. I thought that's just a little bit on the bossy side. And I think because it seemed a bit pushy, I didn't take one, you know, sort of like reverse psychology. And then everybody's coughing in that waiting room and I'm thinking, you know what, that's a good idea. So I go and take a mask, put it on. And then I notice um, it's kind of like other people were coming in and they were checking in. And they were not putting the mask on. And then I saw that the sign that I had seen was no longer there. Nobody had taken it away. It was just gone. And and I remember it clearly because it was like annoying that it said every person must take a mask, must wear a mask. <laughs> and remember, it's before this huge flu outbreak. Now I would think that's kind of normal. Like, okay, good idea. Yeah. But back in early January, it just seemed kind of pushy. So, and then that, it gets more interesting because when I did get called in to see the doctor, at one point during the exam, the doctor asked me, um, are you sick? And I said, no. And he said, why are you wearing a mask? <laughs> and I, I, that was just, I knew it was going to sound weird to bring up the whole Mandela effect thing and to say, well, a few minutes ago, there was a sign, a very bushy, pushy, bossy sign that <laughs> insisted everyone must wear one. <laughs> yeah. And now the sign's gone, you know. I, I already, I know how these kind of conversations tend to go, so I just didn't go there with it. <laughs> so that was the first one, and uh, that was early January. And then a couple more of them, you mentioned, um, yeah. Okay, the next one was also January. I was in Boulder, Colorado, for a taping of, um, I was on Gaia TV. It was Open Minds with Regina Meredith, a wonderful show on Gaia. And so... I'm there to do the show, and the night before, I was having dinner with a friend because I told her that I'd be in town, and it was just someone, you know, when you get together with someone that you love talking to, and the reason I love talking to her, and we we did this that evening, we just started talking about how good it can get and just where this Mandela effect can conceivably take all of us on Earth, mm-hmm. that because we're able to keep envisioning how good it can get for all of us, we can actually pretty much... Um, eradicate any problem that we might think we're facing. That includes global warming. It doesn't even matter what it is. It's like whatever the problem might be, we can pretty much guarantee it won't be a problem for long. And so we're just kind of blissing out on this kind of high vibration conversation. And it was really super fun. And at some point I said, well, I'd love to get a picture with you before I go. And so I was starting, I stood up and as I was just moving to be closer to her, a rose fell down right in front of me. I didn't quite catch it, but I picked it up off the floor, and it was like a fresh-cut, beautiful-smelling, sh- beautiful-shaped, gorgeous little pinkish-red rose, just um, kind of like a rose from heaven. And immediately, my friend and I were checking the entire restaurant. Like, did someone throw it at me? Or, I mean, why would someone do that? But there was hardly anyone there. We were we were there. I mean, the restaurant technically had shut down. I think that the wait staff kept telling us, "No, no, you guys can stay." Mm-hmm. They, I think they felt the high vibes too, and they liked it. I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, 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 yeah, we're the only ones there, and there's this rose that fell out of nowhere, and it wasn't. There, there weren't roses on the table. There were no roses anywhere in the restaurant except the one that fell at my feet. 
So there's that. And then um, third one happened on Groundhog's Day when I had been doing a radio show with Moneybag73 and the Rip on Rabbit. And we were talking about the Mandela effect for the Rip and Rabbit Mandela Monthly Show. And um, at the end, that, that show went on for a couple hours. Plus, I'd been on early to uh, make sure that all the technology was working before the show. So after all that, then, and I'd been on a video connection so they could see me the whole time. Um, and then um, after all that, I turned that off and went to the laundry room, which is just near where I was doing the recording because I'd started some laundry, but not put it in the dryer. I didn't want that noisy machine running mm -hmm. during the, the show. Yeah. So what I did is I uh, went to the laundry room to see if I could get that started again. But before I even got to go there, I could hear the machine was running like it had just started. And I thought, well, that's not right. <laughs> Cause <laughs> my, my immediate thought was how long has that been running? Yeah. But I knew it hadn't, it had not been running, so uh, the, my next thought was my husband must have started it, but he doesn't know that some of the laundry was in the washing machine. So I go into the laundry room, check the washing machine, and nothing's in there. It's like someone had moved the laundry from the, the – I had two batches, you see, like you wash some clothing separates from the other, and then you combine it all in the dryer. Um, everything was in the dryer, and it was completely done. Like, right, as soon as it started, it was all done. It had all been combined correctly, and it was done properly, which is amazing because that dryer, it doesn't do anything properly. It's kind of an old dryer. And <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. We, we have to set a timer and then kind of guess if it's done or not and check mm -hmm. it. Um, <laughs> but, no, it was done perfectly, and that's really weird because there were giant towels in there with other stuff. So hmm. uh, the whole thing was amazing. It was like the laundry did itself is what happened. Too bad it couldn't have folded it itself, too. <laughs> yes. That's next. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. When I read that, I actually out loud said, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've never experienced anything like that. Um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, you cut out, too. Are you, can you oh, hear me no. now? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, Skype is okay, being good. a pain in the, in the, in the backside. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, folks. Skype sometimes uh, gives people a hard time. I don't know why. Um, who, who can say? I'd like to be able to share um, an experience that my daughter and I had recently, if you don't mind. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Yes, please. So we're in the uh, Ottawa Valley in Ontario, Canada. So we're a couple of hours away from Ottawa. And we're driving by a local coffee shop. And uh, my daughter says, when did that tree get put there? And I looked at her and said, what do you mean? She goes, and it's a really, really large tree. And I said, that tree has always been there, honey. She says, no, no, that was not there before. I said, yes, it was. She says, no, it wasn't. And um, sometimes companies will transplant trees, but this was way too big of a tree to be able to just transplant, right? It was, it was an old tree. So I, I looked at her, I said, no, that tree has been there. No, it hasn't. I swear it wasn't there before. It was just a clear area on the front lawn, you know, no tree. And then we just looked at each, at each other and she says, mom, was that the Mandela effect? I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> she swears there was no tree there before. And I remember there was always been one there. Oh, isn't that interesting? I See, that's, I find that fascinating it's, it's always more reassuring, of course, when two people agree that um, something had never been there. And then, it, it, I mean, when something weird happens, it's human nature. We want to share that with someone else mm -hmm. rather than be the weirdo that, um, like, oh, great, I saw something change and no one agrees with me. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but that is the way the Mandela effect works. You don't always get validation from everybody. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, you remember that tree's always been there. But yeah. for your daughter, not so much. <laughs> no. And she has a, you know, fair, a decent memory. She's 18. She's, she has a better memory than I do. <laughs> right. But no, she, she swears that that tree was not there before. And I'm like, no, it's, it's always been there. And uh, like I said, it's not like they can easily transplant a tree that large. It's, it's an older one. So, um, no. <laughs> so at least we both agreed that it was probably, um, the, what, it was probably the Mandela effect, but what, what do you think causes it? Like, why is it some people 
swear something has happened and other people have not? Uh, what, what I really view, and I've written many books about this. Uh, my first was Reality Shifts that came out in like the late 1990s. And then most recent one is Quantum Jumps. And I, I've got examples like this tree one and the fact that sometimes reality shifts don't include everybody. Um, it's very interesting. It seems like what's happening is that we're actually witnessing some level of ourselves, a level of consciousness that is us. You could think of it as maybe a future self or a bigger version of ourself or a bigger collective of ourselves that is um, witnessing these things. So it, it seems like it's a wake up kind of a call. Like there is a global awakening happening on the planet right now to acknowledge that we're much more powerful than we think we are. And we, we're starting to see that with things like the placebo effect. I get into a lot of that in my book, Quantum Jumps. But and the placebo effect just means that you you can do better. You can be smarter, stronger, faster, with more willpower. Your relationships can be better. You can fix everything just by doing some simple, simple, very simple things. Like you can point to your head and you're going to be able to be intellectually sharper. And it's scientifically proven that that is the case. So, so things like that are true, and that makes no sense logically, right? Mm. I mean, why would that even make sense? But this is actually um, the time of the science of embodied cognition. Like you can make yourself happy by smiling. Mm -hmm. uh, you can improve your relationships by putting your hand over your heart, and you'll be coming more from your heart center. You, know, you name it, and you can pretty much change anything. You can not have had a good night's sleep, but tell yourself you did and perform equally well on cognitive functioning tests with people who did not, um, you know, who you didn't have that lack of sleep that you suffered. So, so there's just so much, um, a growing, huge growing body of evidence to suggest that there's definitely something going on here. And, and that's why I like to mention that kind of science in my books because it, it sort of gives you the background that now that we're noticing this Mandela effect, these reality shifts, we can, we can take advantage of it and kind of make our own quantum jumps, um, kind of surfing the wave as that tide is moving us along. I, I think it's a good thing. I think, I think he, the fact. Oh, lost Jeff. Oh no. Are you there? Oh yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, okay. <laughs> We're good. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, good, 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 good. So the fact that we don't always experience the same shift is kind of showing us, um, that there's not one objective, true reality, which is kind of like when you watch a move, a show like The Fringe, the, the TV show we mentioned, there's an idea there that there's one reality that we belong in that's the correct one, what we might think of as objective reality. This whole Mandela effect is, is showing us something completely different. And that does match what we're learning from science as well, that, um, you know, that's my favorite study from 2019, that you can have two observers same place, same time, looking at the same thing, getting two different results. And uh, that was the work of physicists working at Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh, Scotland, in conjunction and collaboration with scientists from Vienna, Austria, and that they were able to see for sure that you can do that. And so that's very much what we're noticing with the Mandela effect. You've got two observers. Your daughter says, that tree, mom, that was never mm -hmm. there. I believe your daughter. I also believe you. And that's where we are in our science right now. I believe her too. And um, I, and obviously I believe myself as well. But uh, being into the paranormal field that I am and my family kind of, you know, my children kind of grew up with mom being a little weird, you know, um, they talking about things like that, now that they're older, it doesn't seem weird to them anymore. It's just like, oh, yeah, this this is what happened. Right. That's good. And I think most of our young people in their 20s are aware of the Mandela effect right now. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of hit a tipping point in our society that there is a base level of acceptance for this phenomenon, even if it's not yet fully understood what's causing it, even though a lot of people still think might be like Art Bell thought it was caused by time travelers. Um, he'd had John Teeter on his show talking about time travel, and maybe that's what influenced him. You know, I was on Art Bell's show, and he was mentioning that to me. Like, do I think it's time travel? And, oh. uh, you know, my take on it was that's not necessary because quantum physics 
basically has time travel built into it. In other words, mm -hmm. you don't need to make it complicated because the science of our reality already includes that you can change the past. That's built right in. The indigenous people knew about it. I think we are doing it. And you don't need to have a machine or a John Titor to make that happen. It's our, it is happening. But it gets to that question you had earlier. Could scientists at CERN be speeding things up? Could they be tweaking it more? Maybe. But the thing is, it's already happening. So it's something we can learn to do. And I've been contacted by time travelers myself. So that, that's also a very interesting aspect of the whole story. Yeah, I, th I heard you uh, talk about that before. I think it was on uh, Dave Scott's show, Spaced Out Radio, and you mentioned right. that. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think because, um, and people that follow things, conspiracy theories about the Project Looking Glass and all that, um, you can look that up and see what that is about. But um, I was not tracking that per se, but what I found interesting in my own um, experience was that uh, I was aware that there was a possible future in which Earth might, at some future point, uh, I don't see that as a strong probability now, but up until 2010, I felt like it was a strong probability that there might be a central artificial general intelligence that would be um, kind of imprisoning humanity in order to keep the peace, maintain the ecosystem, uh, prevent humans from doing crazy things. So they were kind of like a built-in safety net for humanity, which took a, ends up removing humanity's free will and free choice. So that seemed, un, to me, that was not a good outcome. And that's why I personally felt really good about 2010 when I felt like that probability was um, finished off. And then right about the same time I felt like that was over, then three different people stepped forward and emailed me telling me, uh, I think you also said that it was, lots of people have had the experience that I did not exist before 2010. So I, I get that a lot um, or, you know, whatever, fill in the year. Mm -hmm. But the, so I, I think that's interesting, um, very interesting, because I'm aware that what I'm doing, it, even if you do think CERN is messing with it or there might be some artificial intelligence, yeah, fine. But the reason that it's worth studying how to do this is because then it doesn't matter what CERN is doing. It doesn't matter what some central computer is doing because we have the power. I mean, what I recommend is let's get this ability back for humanity because we don't, we totally have the ability to change everything in a good direction. And th that's what I see happening is, is what looks like a great awakening to me. That almost sounds like what people are referring to now as uh, manifesting, um, you know, that you, you want to have something happen and you just positively think about it. Um, and you just manifest it, bring it into being. Do you think that's the same thing? Well, um, often when people talk about law of attraction or manifesting, there's a big egoic element where they tend to assume that they're one physical body and they don't need to worry about how they fit in the bigger picture and there's not so much of a spiritual connection. I would recommend um, definitely keep working on yourself and how you're providing a greater good for the collective of all of humanity plus all of the world. If you're not, um, then it would be a good time to look at that. Because, and the reason is because what I see happening is our subconscious is driving these Mandela effects. It's not so much coming from our conscious mind. So if a person thinks like, well, I'm, I know what I want. I'm focusing on it and I'm bringing the right energy and I did a ritual or whatever. That's all well and good. But the trouble is if they haven't integrated their subconscious with everything else they're doing, they'll get shadow effects, they'll get, um, and they'll think it might be something besides themselves, but it's actually just elements of themselves that they haven't, um, they have not been authentic and honest and compassionate and kind with within themselves. They haven't dealt with their own shadow stuff, if you know what mm. I mean. Yeah. I can't tell you how fascinating this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super fascinating. It is. And like I said, when I first heard about it, um, I was shocked at how many other people had actually heard about it as well. And um, I'm almost convinced nowadays, it don't, if, for me, it almost seems like it happened overnight, how all of a sudden people are being offended by everything. I remember a time, it seemed like just yesterday, that you could joke around, you could say things, and people weren't offended. And all of a sudden, everyone's offended. And, and I'm thinking, when the heck did that happen? 
and someone, <laughs> yeah, and someone said it's probably the Mandela effect. It seems to be um, the uh, go-to answer now for anything that's unexplained. Right, like when, when there's that big switch over. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I know what you mean. But the idea about this whole thing and, and the roots in consciousness, they go way back. You can I like to look at philosophers in the way mm-hmm. that they've taken a look at what is consciousness. Because to me, that's also the nature of reality and it's who we really are. And that comes from a very simple practice of being aware of being aware. So so exam for an example, you've got that first order perception. That people are a lot ruder, or not ruder. What's the example you gave? Uh, yeah, they take things uh, so seriously now. Yeah. yeah, they get offended. Oh my gosh, you're right. So easily. And so that's your first order of perception. Like, okay, people are getting really offended. And you, you can jump back and do a second level reflective perception of that. What, what that means is you're being aware of your awareness. So it gives you the ability to integrate your experience over all of your levels of awareness. And, and just kind of get a feeling sense of, okay, how long has that been really going on? Um, you know, is this really a new thing for sure? Mm-hmm. And it, you might get some validation like, yeah, I think it really is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, then, probably, um, it's probably been going on, uh, probably been going on a lot longer than I realize. Uh, but to me, it seems like it just happened, you know, like, like you said, a flick of a switch. Right. And that, that can happen when we reach tipping points as collective consciousness. So there can be a big um, sort of a groundswell of what's now considered normal or accepted that wasn't before. And so we are social animals in humanity. We don't think of it that way. We tend to think each of us as an individual, but we really do work together quite well. And we're all very intuitive. So it seems like there's a lot of... Um, kind of bringing ourselves together. And when we notice these Mandela effects, sometimes we'll suddenly kind of get flipped into that reality where that whatever it is that we're noticing is now like, whoa, and you can't unsee whatever it was. True. So, so yeah, a lot of oh. people notice the body changes are big for them, um, unless they're already working in um, medicine, because then, um, any t- anytime you're too close to that kind of a shift, you. Oh, think I lost you again. <laughs> oh no. Okay, there you are. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Yay! I, I should time it and see if it ha- if it's happening every uh, like at the at the same amount of time. That's strange. Wow. Yeah, very strange. Hmm. So um, anyway. Yeah, to me, this is like living a waking dream, this whole thing of the Mandela effect. It shows us that a lot of the things that we're subconsciously feeling and thinking about that we need, um, those can manifest. And if we've got subconscious fears, a lot of that stuff is bubbling up too. So that that's what I was referring to with the shadow stuff earlier, mm-hmm. which is why I, I like to ask the question, how good can it get? And I like to every day make an affirmation to be my best self to be living a miraculous life, accessing optimal realities, and being aware that I can get what I need even when I don't know what it is. So that that's the stuff that I like to do. It's not so much depending on my, my brain or my rational mind to lead the way, because we're not really doing that with the Mandela effect. We're getting a lot more subconscious effects. And so that's why I like to make it more of a full conscious, full body experience which makes it a little different from your standard law of attraction that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been hearing more and more people saying that there's a correlation between the Mandela effect and vor- vortices. I had a guest on, uh, Dan Shaw. He is the vortex detective and he has been going around. Um, uh, he's been traveling all over, uh, looking for, um, various vortexes. Um, have you been hearing anything about that lately as well? I, I'm not. I'm only hearing a few, a few uh, people talk about that. Um, it's been recognized that people who can apport things, like physically bring things into being that weren't there before, mm-hmm. are often working with the mini vortex in their like their hand chakra, for example. And mm-hmm. I've actually experienced that myself. I write about it in my book, Reality Shifts, where. Oh, no, I lost you again. <laughs> I do apologize oh. to my listeners. Oh, there you go. You're back. 
Okay. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on. Hmm. Wow. Maybe it's storms or something. Oh, um, maybe. Yeah, so I, I've, ex- I've experienced things just appearing just below my, my hand chakra. That is a vortex. Uh, all of our chakras are vortices. We've got them in our bodies, and, you know, we're like little walking vortices, <laughs> hmm. manifestation devices. And uh, with the hand chakras, I've seen a lot of things just show up right under my hand or someone else's hand. Uh, like, for example, I, I've seen things materialize just within three inches of the palm of my hand, including my daughter's tooth that she'd lost at school that day. And, you know, she she was came home crying because her tooth had fallen out. And the teacher said, wrap it in a paper towel mm-hmm. and you'll have it at the end of the day. But the trouble is, somehow it fell out of her backpack, and then at the end of the day, she notices it's not in her backpack, and there are all these paper towels all over the floor. It's just a mess in the classroom, and she doesn't know which one it is, so she came home Uh crying. And so she went to bed, and I told her, don't worry, the tooth fairy knows what's going on. Uh And so I'm, I'm at my dresser just making a little note to myself on a little card that my daughter had lost her tooth, and here's what day it is. And as I'm writing the note, just... Above my hand, a tooth just materializes out of thin air and lands, you know, like right where I had been writing on the card. Oh, wow. Just like, yeah, just out of thin air. There's no one else in the room. This is not a magic trick. This is just, it's like the real thing, the real magic. And, and there's no blood on this tooth. Now, if, if you ever have seen children's teeth when they lose mm-hmm. them. Even if it was earlier in the day, there'd be some dark brown, you know, blood, you know, I don't mean to be gross, but it wouldn't look clean. This Mm -hmm. looked like it had been through some kind of a sonic um, jewelry cleaning device. Wow. (laughs) A perfectly clean child's tooth. (laughs) Yeah. And so that was amazing. Um, That was one of several things that have just manifested right near the palm of my hand or someone else's hand. Another time I was doing a chakra painting an aura picture for a woman and I was telling I was seeing the crystal and quality of her heart describing it to her and then as I'm painting her heart this cute little pink color out of again thin air a tiny crystal just lands right in the paint where I'd been painting oh wow and she saw it too We, we were both there it just came out of nowhere so things like that can and do happen and that's why vortices I'm agreeing with your your guest, if he's noticing things happen in them. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. Because you've got the energy required. Um, you know, when you when you m- want to make a, a conscious quantum jump, then what you need to bring to whatever the situation is, is the requisite energy to kind of jump from one state to another. And like emotion, perhaps, or just feeling energized. And, and when you're working with vortices, you're getting it's like an energy source. Mm-hmm. So you're right there with the energy. Makes me wonder if um, people are experiencing uh, the Mandela effect. How can I word this? Um, I'm sure you've heard of ley lines before. Yes. <clears throat> um, if there's a particular areas, if there are particular areas on the planet that this effect seems to be happening more than other areas because of areas like ley lines. Yes. Uh, when I visited high energy places and I talk about this, my favorite subject that I always talk about for the last 20 years, <laughs> when, when I go to those energy places that people, um, of course they instantly agree. Yes. Of course we have many of these manifestation reality shift quantum jump experiences here because this is a sacred place with lots of energy lines and people always experience these things here. Um, so yeah, it's, that's a good thing to do if you want to experience one of these experience things, these events, and it's not happening because your energy, you don't meditate enough or you're not doing, you know, whatever it takes to get that energy boost that you need, um, then you can definitely go to a place that has that energy. Yes. And experience it. Do you feel that, um, with these areas, there's more people when they claim that they're having paranormal um, experiences, seeing ghosts and everything. Do you think that would be a correlation with all of this? It could be. Um, when I've seen a ghost, it, it was there was the one most classic time was in the house I live in now, 
And I think what happened is, because I saw a man's, man's outline, he just sort of walked. I was in the living room in a rocking chair, relaxing. I just bought the house and was trying to get used to being in this new place. And I could see the shadow of this shadowy figure come from the kitchen into the dining room. He took a couple steps into the dining room. Then he saw me, froze. He just like froze. It's like the shadow man figure staring at me. Hmm. And I was really calm. I just... um for some reason, I just felt like this must be Mr. Hillers, the, the the gentleman who died, and that's the reason they'd sold the house. So I just um, was telepathically thinking to him, I think you might be dead, and I live here now, so that's why I'm here. I'm the new owner of this house. I was just sort of t- trying to bring him up to speed with what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And then he just faded. It's like he just sort of dematerialized. He was just a shadow anyway, and he just kind of vanished. So that was um, – but, yeah, it's – some people have an idea with the Mandela effect that we all – like, for example, um, one guy says we all died in 2012, and now the whole planet ended and we're all dead. And so we can't die. And, and that, There are some theories going around um, like this. And in that kind of a configuration of viewing reality, you might say, well, that guy – died but in some reality he's alive and there was a little bit of kind of bleed through or what have you but he didn't look real it wasn't like with a real mandela effect reality shift it's different than a ghost Mm -hmm. if you've seen ghosts you know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like a real uh, if you see a real person they're actually there Mm -hmm. and i've seen i've seen real people and then they vanish and that would be the mandela effect like okay that person was there or that car was there now it's gone where did it go it's like it was there and now it's not. Um, or something just pops in out of nowhere. Um, that I've definitely seen, and that's not a ghost. So it's I would say they're different phenomena. Now that I think back, um, I have had inst- instances like that when I was younger. Um, I think I'm looking at someone as plain as day. They're right there, and I blink, and then they're gone. I'm like, okay, where did they go? Right. Like, hmm. And kids are really open to this, but I don't think anybody talks about it, um, usually in most families. Maybe now kids are lucky enough to be hearing about the idea and also witnessing it. But we get socialized. That's what I meant by our idea, our concept of reality is shaped by the people around us. So your kids are lucky that they get to hear you talking about these topics because mm-hmm. um, it keeps their worldview open much more than it would be without hearing about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um open mind yes yeah makes such a big difference yes it's funny uh especially my daughter she thinks it's an interesting thing but she doesn't want any of her friends to know what her mother's into (laughs) yeah that happened with my daughters too at that same age yeah and then uh but then we, we took a trip to Europe when they were in high school, and I thought that was so cool because the Europeans would ask, what do I do? And then I would tell them, and my daughters looked a little bit concerned, like, uh-oh. Yeah, here we go again. <laughs> I, but then my daughters got to see how everybody was, at least all the Europeans, were treating me with so much respect. Nice. Even when I described this, what sounded to my daughters like real woo-woo out there stuff. Mm-hmm. It was taken very seriously and with great interest by every single European we talked to. I loved that. So, <laughs> Did they also share experiences that they had after they found out what you do? Um, not That doesn't typically happen with like just your average person, as hmm. you might know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> once, once in a blue moon, and it's a lovely thing when it happens, but usually not. Um, but, but fortunately, as my daughters got, get older, then they... It, they, you know, I think that now they're in their twenties, uh, almost thirty, and they're becoming a lot more open with the idea that um, that they can, they don't have to you know, have that mainstream view of reality. They can be a little. It's okay to be weird. I, I think it's just yeah. hard for teenagers in high school to be weird. They don't want to be the weird one. Yeah, I keep telling everyone I've uh, I I've embraced my weirdness a long time ago. <laughs> And that's a good thing. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> growing up when you're a little different, um, you know, it's, it's a little tough because I've always been into the paranormal and my friends used to always call me, you know, you're, you're weird. You like stuff like that. It's, you know, how, how can you like that? But it was something that's always intrigued me. And uh, now those same people are like, well, maybe she's not so weird. <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. I, I love the Mandela effect, too, because it shows that what we see and what we take for physical reality can be changed. So just because something looks one way, it doesn't need to stay that way. And these changes can happen instantly. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a kind of it's a super cool area of the paranormal to be looking into. Because to me, it's very hopeful. You know, I don't take it as dark and scary um, no, or no. or some kind of weird conspiracy. Even if there is a conspiracy, I think nature was there first. Mm-hmm. So 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 what if CERN shows up and they're trying to tweak it? You know, good luck topping what nature can do. I don't think that they can. So I, I feel like this is meant for all of us, all of humanity, to gain these tools to be able to basically start working with reality selection through focused attention and just um, getting a little better grip on our fears so that we're not frightened of everything. And again, I'm really glad. Oh, I lost you. Oh no. (laughs) Oh, there you are. The last thing I heard you say was, I'm really glad that you, and you stopped. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. Because of a show like yours, it helps people understand that they can look into Things they might think are weird or scary, but they're okay. You know, you bring light to it. Yeah, and I found that um, if people have had experiences, whether it's Mandela Effect or ghosts or whatever, um, a lot of times they don't want to talk about it, and it can just eat away at them. So because they think they're alone, and when they hear shows like this, then they realize, oh, you know, I'm not the only one, and it can actually help them. And then they find like-minded people, and then they just start talking about it. And um, that's uh, that's the whole reason why I'm doing this. Boy, I'm glad you are. And, and the other thing I wanted to mention, and I hope there's still time. I don't know if oh, we're... Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. I have a few more minutes. <laughs> yeah. So the, this is great. I want to make sure I mention that this kind of reality selection we're able to do with the Mandela effect, often we notice it happening the most when we move between observing uh, you know, an observation where you're kind of measuring something, you're looking at it, you kind of just like you decide, oh, there's a tree there or there's not. So you're in the observation mode and then you can go into like daydream, pure energy mode. And everybody does this when you walk down the hallway, you think you know what you're going for. And sometimes you forget. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you walk down through a different reality when you go through a doorway. Yeah. So, so you can use that. You can actually use that. You've got portals in your home. You've got your hallway. And if you need to change a reality, like you're sick or you don't want to be sick, just keep walking down the hallway, go through a door and just decide, I'm going, you know, I'm, I need to know how good it can get. I need to make a different selection. And I've used like this to that. find things when, I, when they're missing from the cupboard, um, like nutmeg. I didn't have any, but I know I can get it just by, I'll just keep checking the cupboard, the same exact <laughs> cupboard. Nobody's putting nutmeg in the cupboard. What I'm doing is just, I just walk around the house. I come back, open the cupboard. Oh, lost you again. Oh, why does this keep happening? Oh, there you go. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> this is weird. I've never had this happen. This wow. is very strange. I haven't had this happen either. Yeah. I don't know what's, what's going I've, on. I've heard of others, um, other podcasters have real uh, difficulties with Skype, but I've never had them. Yeah, I've, I've heard about this. <laughs> this, is the, this is the first time I've had it too. Yeah. So you're saying about the nutmeg. Right. So you just, I, I did the same thing I'm talking about. We just walk away, come back, check again, and walk away, come back, check again. You know, I did a video and a blog about this exact thing about the nutmeg, and and it did finally come back. You know, it just I just know don't quit and stay in that kind of happy-go-lucky, blissed out, kind of high-energy, relaxed, you know, sort of pure energy state, and then check, and then go back into bliss out, pure energy state. Um, I, you know, I've had good luck pulling dollar bill out of dollar bill out of my wallet. Again, that's three inches from the palm of my hand. So I'm really good at real-life magic tricks. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So th- there's a lot of good stuff that anybody can do uh, just with walking down the hallway and give something another try. There's uh, quite a few times that I'm looking for something and I know it, it was there before and all of a sudden it's not there. And I'm driving myself crazy trying to find whatever the item it is. And I'll actually out loud say, this isn't funny anymore. Put it back. And then I go to look and it's there. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. 
it's kind of getting to that point where like, okay, that's enough of that. Yeah. And that's it. Aligning, lining your whole self up so that you're not putting up with any nonsense. And yeah. it's, it's not just your conscious mind, but it's all of you, all of a piece. I think that's what humanity is working on right now. Just dealing with our shadow stuff. And I wish we had more sense of humor. So yes. you know, that would be a good thing. <laughs> um, my children are always telling me, because you know you have two types of morning people. You have the happy people, and then you have the people that don't even look at them before they've had their first 10 cups of coffee. Well, I'm the happy person who will sing and laugh first thing in the morning, and my entire family, my husband and children, all look at me and like, how can you be so happy in the morning? Like, I just am. <laughs> I just am. I'm sorry. <laughs> they just so want funny. to smother me. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that I got to see you before we started the show I today. I know, me too. You've got so much joy. It just bubbles right out. It's I love it. It's Thanks. infectious. <laughs> yeah, I can see it in your eyes. Uh, folks, before, usually when I do the uh, the Skype recording, it's just audio. Um, we did uh, video for a couple of minutes. And so we got to actually see each other live. And uh, yeah, you have really happy positive eyes and nice smile and yeah it's just a really nice nice vibe that you can even pick up through skype oh thank you well, i feel the same thing it's about you it's so mutual thanks so we, we just have a few more minutes to go um maybe you can tell us about what what your plans are what are you working on do you are you having any other books out um, and tell us where they can find you and your books Right. I'm working, I'm writing a new book about the Mandela Effect Society and um, the Great Awakening from Me to We. So it's all about the science and history of the Mandela Effect. And I'll be giving a presentation and a talk at the Mandela Effect Conference in Connecticut the first weekend in June. And there's a website to check it out, MandelaEffectConference.com. But my own website has all that plus more, and that's RealityShifters.com. And there you can subscribe to my monthly free newsletter. Which I get. Check out. Oh, yes. <laughs> and you can totally um, have fun with wherever else I might be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff. And I've got a podcast that I also produce um, called Living the Quantum Dream. And it's got links to that. And so the newsletter's great. The website is the central hub for accessing all of that. Oh, I didn't know about your podcast. Yeah, that's through Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, um, based out of Boston. And it's been running now for a number of years. I've had the opportunity to interview a lot of scientists. I like to explore each of their kind of uh, very specialized, focused looks at the nature of reality. So I've had physicist John Kramer talk about the future affecting the past with his transactional interpretation of quantum physics. But I keep it for the layperson, so it's not too heavy or weird. And I've had, <laughs> <laughs> had Jerome Busemeyer talk about quantum cognition and decision-making and how our minds are set up in a very quantum fashion. So we're not illogical, we're quantum logical. And you know, just a whole lot more. Had, I've had lots of great scientists on the show and lots of other people, too. It's not all scientists. Hmm. I'm going to have to check it out. Is it live? No, it's um, all the it's all the shows are now archived. It's never put on live. It, okay. I always pre-record. So it's um, basically now it's an archived body of work. And I think the ones you might be interested in would be the ones I mentioned. Definitely. Plus, um also talked with Larry, Dr. Larry Dossey. I've talked to Dr. Dean Radin, um, you know, Rupert Sheldrake, you know, pretty much anybody that's interested in the nature of consciousness. And, you know, because I think they all hold some keys to what's going on, you know, what's what's happening with these reality shifts, these Mandela effects. Mm -hmm. What can we learn from each of these experts in their field? Very interesting. Um, and folks, like usual, I will be adding the... Um all the links in the show notes when this gets released. So you don't have to remember what you just heard here. You just have to click and it'll magically bring you to that, that spot that you're looking for. Well, Cynthia, thank you so very much for being on. I really appreciate it. This was really fascinating for me. Oh, thank you, Kat. I've had a great time. I did too. And uh, we'll Glad keep in touch. Skype mostly worked.
Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 